The children's book industry is competitive, lucrative, and growing. It is estimated that in 2022, children's book sales in the U.S. will generate a revenue of $2.6 billion. The most popular children's book in today's market are about empowered females, dragons, unicorns, pugs, yes, I said pugs, wild creatures, ghosts, monsters, and scary things, video games, mysteries, things that are gross and goofy, and non-fictional titles. Books about Hispanics or Hispanic children don't even come close to making the top 10 list. The fact of the matter is that of all the children's books published in 2017, only 2% were written by Latinos. In this episode of the Latino Business Report, we'll be talking with Edward Dennis, a former elementary school teacher who defied the odds to write and illustrate a story that he needed to tell in a children's book titled The Boy from Mexico. Welcome to the Latino Business Report. This podcast covers business, people, and issues of the day from a Latino perspective. The Latino Business Report is brought to you by TAMAC, the Texas Association of Mexican-American Chambers of Commerce. TAMAC is the leading Hispanic business organization in Texas since 1975. Now for your host, J.R. Gonzalez. And welcome to another episode of the Latino Business Report. Today, our guest is Edward Dennis. Edward, how are you doing today? Good. I'm doing good, JR. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here, sir. And let me just tell you, Dennis, I am very, very impressed. As I started reading about you and what you've accomplished in such a short period of time, it's just totally amazing. Now, Dennis, this is the Latino Business Report, so let's talk about the business end of things. I know that writing a book is very is I mean, that's that's difficult itself, but to get it published and for you to have written your very first book, a children's book, may I add, and to have it published, I mean, that's an amazing feat. How did you pull that off? Yeah, well, I have a good support system. I'm very determined, and I would say I'm maybe lucky. I think some luck has to play in that. Getting a publishing deal is not easy. That's why so many people go the self-publishing route. It's so popular these days. I know that when a publisher takes on a book, it's a business decision. Uh, they have to. The story has to resonate with them and their customers. Ultimately, I was very fortunate that my first go at this is going to be in major retailers, and I'm very excited about that. Well, I tell you what, but the fact I'm not trying to I'm not trying to diminish your talent or your ability, but first try out and you get a publisher that's that's pretty cool. That really yeah, is. Thank you. When when you said that this is going to be in major retail outlets, what who who else is going to carry this book? So right now, it's open for pre-order, but when it is physically uh, available November 8th, after November 8th, it will be in Walmart, Target, Barnes & Noble, some stores in Australia, the UK and Canada and Mexico. It's online at Amazon and a few other places. If you go to theboyfrommexico.com, you can see all that. Wow. Your first book. <laughs> the Boy from Mexico. Edward, I have a feeling we're going to be hearing a lot more about you in the near future, but do me a favor here. Tell, tell, me, tell us a little about yourself and what inspired you to write this book. Yes, um, I myself am not an immigrant. I'm third generation, but I was a teacher for a few years. And a few years ago in 2016, there were some uh, political debates over the border and building the wall and things like that. And the topic of immigration was such a hot topic. My students would come into the classroom and asking me, you know, Mr. Dennis, Mr. Dennis. And I would say, yes, yes. And then tell me, 
you know, is it true what they say about us that we're all criminals, this, this and that? And I said, no, you guys, it's not. And I wish then there was lessons or books to give to them to help them and guide them through those tough times. And there wasn't. So that's where I come in. And that's what inspired me to create this book as a Mexican-American. You know, as we look and um, at the political environment at the time, and it still exists and so it's alive and well, I can only imagine what those kids were going through. Give us give us an idea, Edward, what type of, what was the size of your class and how many of those students were actually uh, young Hispanic students? Yes. So I worked in inner city Phoenix at the Phoenix Elementary School District. My class was about 99% Hispanic. The district itself was, I think, 98% Hispanic. Wow. And I taught uh, gifted education, and then I taught special education. So my my students were all either parents of immigrants, uh, children of, of uh, parents who were immigrants, or the children themselves were immigrants. I had a, a few students actually who had never been to school before, and you know they would ask me questions and things, especially the the older kids about third or fourth grade. And I would say, you guys, you know. Um, my Spanish isn't that great, but I'd tell them in Spanish, you know, this this isn't true. And it, yeah, it just, it was terrible. I didn't have anything to really guide them with. I talk about a wide spectrum from, from the gifted children to the special ed children. Yep. And everything in between. I don't mind, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you anyway, sir? I'm 36. 36 years old. And you've been, you were teaching for how long? Um, let's see. I have a, a degree in geology and a my other degree was in special and general education. I started when I was 24 teaching till I was probably 30, 31, okay. something like that. And then, so you had a good paying job. Well, you're a yeah. teacher. It wasn't, it wasn't that great of a pay. Yeah. <laughs> you, you were work. you were getting a steady check and some, yes. some benefits. And you quit that to pursue a career in, as a writer. Yes. You know, I've always been an artist, um, a little bit more background on me. I've always been an illustrator artist. I've always done animation. I've worked for a lot of big companies like Disney, Sesame Street, uh, Giant Bicycles. They're a big bike company. Um, Toyota. I've worked for Toyota. So I've worked for a lot of companies and um, I finally decided I'm going to use my talents to uh, do something I feel like was more powerful, more impactful to my community. Now, I've seen some of the artwork in your book that you sent me before the podcast recording, and it's just amazing stuff. I mean, I'm very impressed. I mean, you do some good work. So Thank you. You're the you're the illustrator and the author of the book. Yes, I am the author and the illustrator. I wrote it over a period of about six months, and it took me about two years to illustrate it, um, day in day out. And I today actually uh, about four hours ago got to see the proof of the book. So they're going to start printing it, I believe, next week. And I got to see the final proof of the book, and I had a little tear come down my eye because it was—it's—it's it's beautiful, <laughs> outstanding. That sounds great. And talk about cutting your own overhead. If you're the illustrator, you don't have to go out and pay somebody. Nice, exactly. Yeah. Now you're um your third generation. Where, where's your family from originally? So um, I get that question a lot because people ask me, Dennis. That's uh that's a Caucasian name. Um, my ancestors. Uh, on my father's side that carry that name came from France in the mid-1800s. And my great-grandfather, Jorge, came from Navajoa, Sonora, to Ajo, Arizona in 1918, where he married my great-grandmother. And then they moved to Buckeye um, about five years after that. And then my grandfather moved to Phoenix, where he had my father. And then my father met my mother in Phoenix. 
my mom's actually from Fresno, so it's it was a uh, good timing, I guess. Okay. Well, you definitely sound proud of your lineage there, and that's uh, definitely legit. You're you're Latino. I mean that that's that's <laughs> cool. But um, so you have the heritage, and you said your students were asking you questions. The the boy in the book. How old How old is your character in the book? Um, he's. 14 because on one of the pages he turns 15 on the bus so yeah he's, he's oh, wow. 14 when he's t- making most of the journey and this is a a 14 year old boy who decides to leave home and on his own venture into the into the u.s i mean why yes what? yeah this is a story actually um that i interviewed quite a number of people especially when i was teaching i i would uh interview the support staff I've had this book, you know, on the the burner for a while. And then when COVID hit, I said, this is a perfect time to do it. Um, so the common theme where a lot of these people were young and they decided that, you know, the United States had more to offer than the village or the town they lived in, right, in, in, in Mexico. So um, it's really an adventure. It comes off as an adventure to the child, but there's very real scenarios in this that I took from those people's interviews. So we could definitely say this book is inspired by true events. Okay. And what's the character's name? Luce. Luce af- yes. I named him after my great grandfather. Okay. So your great grandfather was named Luce? Yes. On my mother's side. Okay. Usually I understand. I mean, for me, Luce has been kind of a female name, but in this one, it's a male. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, and you, and you use it as a metaphor as well, don't you? Yes, definitely. Um, it's the, the Spanish word for light. And he's kind of uh, lighting the way. There's showing hope in such a dark, uh, I guess, narrative that we often see on the news. And Edward, I was reading about the book, and it's a bilingual book. Yes. How how bilingual is it? Do you just sprinkle a few Spanish words in there, or is it pretty much half and half, uh, 75, 25? What do you, I would what say do you- it's about 20% uh, Spanish words in there, and there's a glossary at the end for the children. And a lot of the words that I, I picked were strategic. I guess you can figure them out if you don't know Spanish by using okay. context clues. Okay. Why did you do that? I wanted to not only just write this story, but I, I wanted to introduce uh, children to the language. I wanted to introduce children to the, the, the biomes of Mexico, the animals, the plants, all of it, the culture. Okay. No, it makes sense. And I can definitely appreciate that you as an educator and – my personal frustration, the U.S. is one of the few countries in the world that some people insist that we should only speak one language, English. Yeah, and you know, I was actually taught that in my elementary school in the 90s was I wasn't allowed to speak uh, Spanish at school. Wow. I thought it was only me. I mean, I, when I was uh, first going to school back in the 60s, um, if you spoke Spanish in the classroom, you're taken to the office and, and you were paddled. I mean, corporal punishment for speaking your native tongue. It's terrible, right? We didn't need no English as a second language program. I mean, either you learn it or you're you're getting calluses on your behind. So, uh, but definitely, and now it seems, it seems like people more and more embracing uh, learning second languages or third languages. But as I've been very fortunate, I've traveled in different parts of the world. It's just amazing how many different languages are spoken by a group of people. Even folks without formal education can speak mul- multiple languages. But here in the U.S., it's we kind of. Uh, pigeonholed ourselves into this is America and we're going to speak English. But anyway. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. I take the attitude, this is America, you can speak any darn language you want to. But anyway, that's another episode. (laughs) So 
back to your story. So you have a young man who's left home searching for a better way of life, turns 15 on the bus. You have uh, the characters named after your fa- your grandfather. It's bilingual. And as he finally gets to America or to the U.S., where does he end up? What, he ends what up so, he in? Yeah, so he starts in Pazcuato, Michoacan, and he goes from Michoacan all the way to Tijuana. And there's a page where he's he's feeling grateful. He his he knows his journey is over. And on the the I think it's the second to the last page, he's in San Diego. Okay. So does the story end when he's made it to San Diego, or does it go on to him getting acclimated and starting to settle down in a, in a new life? It ends when he gets to San Diego. I think a lot of uh when you're writing a story for children, um, you definitely wanna keep it to one little event true i think true. i think you start mixing them up when you get past that because i originally the publisher um i i had some pages where he got older and he had a family etc cetera, etc cetera, but um the publisher kind of gave me that direction of not doing going that that route no, i understand and with with kids it's kind of a, a narrow window of, of focus there for sure um that and some adults too who get all their news and information from the internet but anyway as we're as we're looking at your book here, you got to publish. How many publishers did you did approach? How did how did you go about? I mean, being self published would have been the easiest route, but you decided not to do that. You did it the hard way, or the the right way, if you will. And can you kind of explain that process for us? Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, I think that's the number one question I get. People seeing me doing a children's book and they see how successful it's it's becoming, how it looks, and they think, oh, um, I can do that. And uh, someone actually wrote me the other day and said that they had a book. They're a dental hygienist, and they said, "How do I get it into Target?" And I said, "Oh, that's <laughs> that's uh, that's. I mean, if you go to Target yourself, there's only what maybe 50 children's books there, and um, you have to ask yourself, like, okay, those are those are the you know cream of the crop right there that are in the store. So yeah, I wrote. I want to say I wrote about 100 publishers and 40 literary agents. Those are the people that would uh, represent you. Um, and as the author illustrator, it was my own vision. I had some sample artwork and I had the manuscript and I, I've heard horror stories about people that write these stories and they never get them published ever. So I was very fortunate that it only took me a few months um, after many rejections, but it took me a few months to get a few publishers attention. And then I finally signed a contract for one. Wow. So even though you wrote all those letters or, you know, a hundred letters and all those publishers, did you ever get discouraged in the process? Think it wasn't going to happen? Oh, I, I, you know, I, that's a hard question. I never got discouraged in myself or my, my talent or my storytelling or my artwork or the book. No, but it is disheartening when some publishers would, would write me and they would ask me to change my character from um, a brown boy in Mexico to an, an animal. Okay, well, a, stop, 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 stop. They wanted you to do what? Yeah. They wanted me to change my character from, an, uh, uh, you know, little Mexican boy to an animal. Um, Why? Well, if you read the statistics, um, of children's books being published, there's only 5%, I believe that are, uh, for Latino children and the rest are for Caucasian children. Or they're inanimate objects that are they're writing stories about, or animals. And I think a lot of publishers were scared of how real my story was. The business decision. Okay, so 
sell more books if you write about an animal or a teddy bear and not necessarily a human being. For sure. I think it, it, uh, I think a lot of people saw a brown boy on the book and they got scared. Well, did a, did a few of the publishers maybe think that it was, they get scared. I can see why, but did they think it was too political or they just, it was something they wanted to avoid altogether? I think some people thought it was political, but you know, if you read my story, it's not political by any means. I mean, it's a reflection it, of life. Yeah, it's very objective. There's no agenda. There's no finger pointing. It's simply, um, and the way I drew it too is it's simply as if you were there beginning to end on his journey, just watching him. That's it. So, Edward, when you were writing the story, what did you keep in – I can only imagine you had your students in mind. I mean, you're yes. writing it for children, and it's a, it's a children's book, but uh, I can only imagine, especially from from the, the gifted to, to special ed, some of the questions that you have. So were a lot of those children's questions that they had for you when you were teaching, were they going through your mind as you were writing the book? For sure. Yes, for sure. It was 100% motivated by my students and um, – the issues that I know I'll, I'll never have to encounter, but I would put myself in their shoes and say, how would this book help them? Or even how would this book help their Caucasian peers understand them better? So I think the end goal I always wanted for my book was compassion, kindness, empathy. I wanted those things from anyone, whether adult or a child to read my book and take away from it. Wow. that That's amazing. I imagine that you're, your parents and family must be proud of what you've been able to accomplish. Yes, they are. What's next for you? Um, let's see. What's next? Well, I would like to get uh, – I'm, I'm working on a coloring book that will be a, sold along with the book. It's, it's kind of like his journal. It's uh, got word searches, um, writing prompts, coloring pages, uh, chances to learn the Spanish language. So that's coming. I have my second book. Um, I won't say the title. Wow. But it's a about sec- farms. A second book already? Yeah, yeah. It's uh I want it to release next next uh Christmas, so I hope that can happen. Um I'm in the talks with a few publishers, including my first publisher. I'm trying to see who's gonna give me the best deal. Um and then I'm trying to uh actually today I had a really good meeting with a producer um that has worked on the Pirates of the Caribbean, other movies, and I'm trying to get my book turned into a movie. Oh, wow. Man, think big or go home. That's great. Yeah. So there's a possibility this can actually be a movie. I mean, there, there's a very, very, very real possibility, yes. It's a long shot, but it's real. I wouldn't even say it's a long shot at this point. With the people well, I mean, I, yeah. If they're, inter- if, if they're talking to you now, I mean, that's a good sign. That is amazing. Yeah. Okay, so you have your first book out. Well, it's not even out yet. Right. Then you have a coloring book. It's kind of a coloring book workbook. Yep. That teacher in you has to come out. And then working on another one that's about a farm worker family or a farm yes. worker. It's about farm workers. Which I would assume are going to be Latino farm workers yes. kind of their perspective. Wow. So you're what you're doing in this book series, I guess, is trying to establish a narrative describing to non Hispanics Hispanic life, but for those those Hispanics and Immigrants or first generation, it kind of reflects where they came from so they can maybe not only relate to that, but be proud of it as well. I mean, this is that's who they are. That's where they came from. Yes. And then my third book is going to be about me being uh, bring a Mexican-American living in a Caucasian neighborhood and how that kind of that whole assimilation theory comes into play. 
I can give you some stories on that one. So we'll talk later about research. <laughs> I might, yeah, I might interview you for that. I tell you what, when, when I first built the, my first home, I was out there mowing the yard and I had people stopping going, how much do you charge? I go, for what? Oh, my gosh. I, I, they I, thought I was, you know, the hired help to do the lawn. I go, no, it's my house. Kind of. I believe that, yeah. A look of shock on their on their face, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's some experiences we'll talk about at another time. But I am first of all, Edward, I'm so excited for you, uh, and congratulations. One of the things I keep telling people is, as a community, as a Latino community, we don't write and document our own stories enough. We leave it to other people to talk about it, or other people to write it, and it's not from us. So I, I cannot tell you how how happy I am, how proud I am. The fact that we have a young Latino such as yourself writing a story that's going to hopefully impact just tens of thousands of, of, of people and hopefully make a little bit of a dent in the narrative and start getting people, especially these kids, to start maybe moving the needle because it's going to be the kids that, that you need to convince. So some of these other folks, you're just not going to convince them no matter what you say. Yeah. But maybe the children. Yeah. I, I agree 100 percent. That's kind of why I was writing this book was I tried to converse with some of my adult friends and they shut me down. And I said, especially when Trump was talking about the wall and stuff and, you know, we got to kick them out of here. They got to get out. We got to clean up our streets. And I tried to talk to them and I got shut down and I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to put my motivation and my determination towards the children. And, um, yeah, I, I hope that my, my two goals are, I hope any child that reads this has empathy for any immigrant, any shade or, or country they're from. And that, any brown child reads this and sees themselves in me and says, oh, I can do that too. Yeah. Not looking for a, a spoiler here, but uh, in Luce's journey, does he come across difficulty crossing the border? Does he come across border patrol or walls or fences or anything? You know, that, that was, oh man, that was something that I wanted to put in. And there was, in my mind, I thought to myself, how much can I get away with? without scaring the children. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't want to put fear and I, I don't want to make people feel bad. Right. Imagine I have border patrol in there and Luce is scared of them. And one of the children that reads the book has a parent that works in border patrol. Got it. And I, I didn't want to put that on the children. I tried to um, make it as objective as possible. JR. I just didn't, there's things I wanted to put in, trust me. Um, but Coming yeah. from a child, I, I wanted them to look at the story, and um, you you know as well as I do, there's a lot of stuff that happens in these journeys that is it's scary. It, it very it's very scary. It really is. I mean, yeah. it's dangerous. It's, it's very dangerous. dangerous. It's, it's life threatening. Um, but for a 14 year old, I mean, but at the same time, that's very realistic. It's happening every day. You see yeah. it on the news. Yep, we young, young young men and women coming from all over the the world to try to get into the United States through the through the southern border. As 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 we look at this, I mean, I'm, is this a book that adults would probably enjoy reading? I know I'm looking forward to reading it. Yeah, it, I think any anyone that reads it, no matter what age, I think they're going to be impacted by it. Not only the artwork, I, I I've spent. Um, I hope you get the book so you can see the artwork. I tell you what, Ed, I, I am going to commit to you. I will, when that thing is ready, I will order at least a dozen books. I'll ship them to you so you can sign them because I plan on giving them away as gifts. Yeah, I'll go down there and sign them for you. We'll, we'll even make better. An event. We'll make an even event better. or something. It'll yeah. save the postage. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I spent 
um, I want to say maybe 50 hours on each page, and there's about 64 pages. So wow, we're looking- 64 pages. Isn't that kind of long for a children's book? It's double the amount of a regular children's book, but um, there's a lot of pages in my book that are of scenery, of just him walking through different environments. Okay. And I wanted to keep that in there. There's also a lot of pages I dedicated to uh, reflection, questions for reflection on immigration and whether a teacher or a parent's writing it, they could ask their child or these children these questions. I think so it enhances book, the experience. So this book could be read not only for by individuals for entertainment purposes, but it's also a teaching tool. For Do sure. Do I understand that correctly? Yeah, for sure. Hmm. I can see where possibly school districts might be interested in, in this book. Yes, I would hope so. I, I, you know, after reading it myself today, when I saw the final proof, I was like, this should be required reading for first through third graders because that's who it was aimed towards especially in border states it would definitely be nice if it was required reading yeah so (laughs) it brings uh, it brings me back to the business question okay now how does it work i mean did did the publisher advance you do you not have an advance you have to are you going to work off of a a percentage of the sales i mean because there's a lot of time and work into that and if you quit your if you quit your teaching job and, and you're focusing on this. I mean, you got to make a living. How does how does the business end work of, of this? Yeah. So when you do a book, it depends on how popular you are, how in demand you are. And I how popular was, you are or how popular the book is. Um, It depends how let's say I do. I'm, I'm doing Harry Potter. Right. And okay. I did two Harry Potter books already. And I, I go out to my publisher and I say, hey, I'm going to do my third book, but I'm going to go look for another publisher. They would say, hold on. We're going to make you a deal. We're going to make you an even better deal. We're going to give you money up front now. Um, I didn't have that opportunity because I'm a new author, so I'm getting money on the back end. So okay. that's when I start debating how much royalties am I getting per book sold. Okay, so you get royalties off of each book. Yes. So the more books, the more money. Yep, that's uh, that's the goal. And, you know, it's funny. Someone asked me that the other day, like, well, I hope you sell, like, you know, a million books. And I said, well, I, I want to. Obviously, I got bills to pay, but I'm a minimalist. Um, I would like the book to get sold because that would let me know that it's in the hands of children. So I, I try to be as as humble and as nice as I can because I think a lot of people, when they assume, oh, you know, you're writing a book, you want to make a bunch of money, and that's just that's not true. Well, that's not the motivation for writing right. a book. I mean, okay. Yeah. Well, um, so for our listeners and, and even for myself, where can I where can I go pre order the book? Yes. So if you go to theboyfrommexico.com, I have my uh, little website I made. I made it myself. I have my little trailers on there, animated trailers for the book. And there is a link to everywhere that the book's on uh, on sale right now for pre-order. Um, okay. oh, it comes out November 8th. Or you could simply go to Google and just type in The Boy From Mexico um, or The Boy From Mexico, Edward Dennis. It, it'll come up. And, Edward, how much is the book going to be? That's a good question. Well, it's going to be $12.95. I tried to get it at the price down as much as I could for people. It was originally going to be $22, but thankfully I got it down to making it a paperback. So it's going to be about 13 bucks after tax. Okay. So it's paperback and not hardcover. Yes. Uh, the hardcover is reserved for libraries. But they are going to publish hard, hard, hardcover copies? Yes, for the libraries only. Hmm. Okay. Do you think that maybe in a second edition there would ever be hard hardback covers? I don't know. That was a uh, decision to keep the price down that my publisher and I made. Um, we okay. were kind of looking at Latino families, where they buy books, 
what cities and states and then how much they usually uh, pay to get a book. No, makes per- makes perfect sense. First of all, congratulations. Congratulations and, and kudos for all, everything you're doing. I'm very excited about the book. I look forward to reading it and look forward to meeting you in person one of these days. Maybe we can get you over here in Texas and have a book signing or we can meet up someplace. But I definitely want to be able to help promote that book because everything I've read about it and everything I've talked about, it sounds like an amazing uh, an amazing um, story, an amazing journey, and something that is truly a reflection of what people are going through today. And it's a, it's a learning tool for a lot of people, not only children, but adults as well. Folks, you've been listening to the Latino Business Report. My name is J.R. Gonzalez. We have our guest here, uh, an inspiring author, illustrator, entrepreneur, uh, Edward Dennis. Uh, Edward, thank you very much for, for being here. Do you have any final words before we, before we sign off? Thank you uh, for having me, Jr. And I would love to come to Texas. My mom was born in Dallas. So anytime you want me to come, I'll, I'll, I'll be there. Outstanding. All right, folks. Once again, the Latino Business Report. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you like what you hear, uh, go ahead and give us a like. Write us a comment. And at the uh, notes, we will go ahead and put information of where you can find uh, this book, A Boy from Mexico. Until next time, 